Hey, this is Andy from the TGP Fit Podcast, where we discuss functional fitness, health, well-being, and becoming your best version. If you're looking to be your best in the gym, on the competition floor, or just in everyday life, listen in with Carter Douglas, the creator of The Game Plan, and myself. We'll be discussing topics and strategies that you can put to practice right away to build long-term habits for life. Hey guys, on this week's episode of the TGP Fit Podcast, we have Bobby D here. He is also the owner of Raw Strength and Conditioning. On our first couple of episodes, we actually talked about the workouts that were designed for the AFFF uh, and the Masters HQ qualifiers, which Bobby D here was the one who programmed all those. And we'll get onto that a little bit later on in the podcast. But first of all, uh, Bobby D, could you give us a little bit of a rundown of who you are? Uh, yeah, so uh, I guess I've been involved in strength and conditioning for a long time now. Um, always been phys- physically fit and uh, did quite a lot of study and stuff at uni before deciding it was a good idea to name my garage gym uh, CrossFit Northwest back in 2008. Yeah. And uh, I guess 12 years later, uh, I'm here doing a variation, I guess, of CrossFit or uh, I guess a, a more sport approach to our functional fitness um, and yeah, just coached a fair few regional and CrossFit Games athletes and teams along the way. And now we're just looking to try and progress the sport from being uh, entertainment type purpose to actually like a legitimate sport and trying to, you know, get it into bigger and better places such as the Olympics. Awesome. So a little bit more about yourself. How long have you actually been doing sport for? Uh, I think I started, I probably started lifting like lift weights with my dad in the backyard, maybe when I was six, yep. six or seven. So probably like, you know, 35 years. Yeah, yeah. So that explains the uh, big biceps then. <laughs> yeah, I've always loved the weights, always fascinated with like, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, the action movie stars of the 80s, the, the Arnold Schwarzeneggers and the Stallones and always, always, always lifted weights and then just got more stuck into uh, – sports specificity of the weight side of things to help progress uh i guess my strength power and speed for rugby union back when uh you know i was i was playing team sports yeah so rugby was your sport when you were growing up yeah uh, well played everything played cricket soccer baseball um only probably thing i didn't play is uh afl but um yeah played everything but my rug but rugby was i guess the sport of choice up until I guess my, my early twenties when I made the switch to rugby league. Yeah. Okay. So what actually got you started off as a coach and you said, uh, CrossFit Norwest sort of opened up in 2008 in your garage. Uh, were you doing much coaching prior to that? Uh, no, nothing. So I guess it was pretty easy back in the day. Oh, it still is pr- pretty easy to, I guess, open a CrossFit gym. Uh, back then I did, I had no coaching experience at all, just lots of uh, experience, I guess, under different coaches for different sporting teams and that type of stuff. And uh, I didn't really consider myself a coach for a long time because I had no real business plan or structure to to do anything like what it has evolved into. I just thought, you know, I was an original CrossFit frother and decided it was a good idea to to name my gym or my garage, I should say, CrossFit and had 
you know, people coming over, obviously mainly friends to start with, and they just give a, a gold coin donation. Yeah. And that was how we kind of saved equipment, uh, saved money to buy new equipment. And I did very little coaching back back then. Well, actually no coaching. It was just like, come over and let's all train together. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a couple of complaints from council and, and that type of stuff. I was like, okay, right, guys, we've got to move into a, a big gym. If we move into like a box, like a, a warehouse, you guys are actually going to have to start paying <laughs> like a proper membership. And it was only probably a week or so into that when I was like, hey, I can't train with these guys anymore. Uh, I actually have to run classes. Otherwise, I'm training like three times a day. And uh, that's, that's kind of how I started coaching is, is just because I had to, I guess, not really because I wanted to. Yeah. Um, just kind of fell into it. It was yeah. purely by accident. Was, I guess being in the right place at the right time back in the early days when I think I was maybe the third, maybe the third CrossFit gym to, or third place to actually have CrossFit as their name uh, in New South Wales. So That's um, pretty cool. Yeah. How long did it yeah. take roughly from like garage gym through to actual, um, actual facility? So, uh, six months, I guess. Like, uh, I think I'm pretty sure I did my level one, maybe September-ish, uh, 2008. Yeah. And I was in an industrial place by April, 2009. So yeah, about six months, I guess. Yeah, okay. Did Before that, were you pretty much straight from rugby straight into CrossFit or was there a little bit of a hiatus there in the middle or? Um, I did a lot. No, there's, <clears throat> I went, I've done nearly every sport. So between, I, I, I probably finished rugby around uh, 2004 and I was, I think that's when I finished my master's in chiropractic. So I was a chiropractor and then uh, moved to the Gold Coast and to take advantage of all the outdoor weather, I took up everything I could outdoors. Like I was doing ultra marathon runs, uh, triathlons, um, all that type of stuff. And that I did, you know, so I do like my, never give up the weights. So I was always doing like, you know, at the gym at lunchtime, doing all my bodybuilding type stuff. And I never want to be small. I didn't want to be one of these skinny triathletes, but also I was obviously too big to be any good at triathlons. Uh, I think I started in, they called it the Clydesdales, uh, Clydesdale division, which are, I think over 90 kilo triathletes so yeah, okay i was kind of different because i was there at 90 i think i was about i was about 100 kilos so i was with all the guys over 90 kilos but they were all the uh fatter version of 90 kilos yeah and i was like uh a little action figure running around like a a fridge doing yeah. all my doing everything so yeah um yeah to put it bluntly yeah now i i'd done lots of different things so it wasn't straight from rugby uh into crossfit it was uh yeah a whole lot of different sports yeah, awesome. Have you found that all that experience from across all the sports has transitioned well into your current coaching? Um, only a little bit. I, I would say only a little bit just to, um, I guess, have an athlete's point of view or perspective coming from different backgrounds and what they are training for and maybe what they need. I'll say probably one of the biggest things that's helped me is um, you know, my, my background in chiropractic, under, you know, understanding, you know, I think... I would hope so a little bit better than your average coach or the anatomy and physiology of everything. And I guess when I was doing chiropractic, I was always doing it to, you know, be a chiropractor and everything one day, which I was, and I still am, but I was more doing it even for selfish reasons. So when we we're going through all the physiology and everything like that, I was actually taking it on board to see how I could improve my own performance. Mm. Um, you know, you know, all the different energy systems and Krebs cycles and this and lactate thresholds and everything. I was 
I was more saying, how could I apply that to my training um, to make me a better athlete rather than just learning it to pass a test so then I could graduate, I guess. Um, and that's how I, that, that's what I think has helped me the most with, you know, coaching and athlete development and, you know, programming and everything like that is, I guess, my, my base knowledge in all those, uh, all the sciencey stuff. Awesome. Awesome. So what's your current involvement with uh, the sport of the AFFF and the IF3? Um, not much. No, I'm kidding. Um, I am, I'll say of the, of the IF3, I'm only a small little factor factor of the AFFF. So the Australian Federation, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more of a factor, but I'm just Mel's sidekick. So Mel Robinson is the brains brawn of everything. Um, and I guess I help her out and I'll do whatever she tells me to do. But I guess my major role is um, programming, uh, looking at uh, helping Mel, I guess, with dates and where competitions should fit in in our calendar and how we can, I guess, get the most participation with athletes that do other competitions and, and other rival competitions, uh, you know, bigger ones, you know, interstate, uh, well, I want to say interstate, everything's interstate depending on where you're based. But yeah, I guess I help with uh, the programming and, and setting up the calendar for the year. And then also obviously programming uh, the workouts for all different stages, be it online competitions and then state finals and then our nationals. Um, and I guess more recently I've taken over the programming for the masters division of the IFFF and, uh, and the AFFF. So I think we've got a new competition that's, that's actually starting now or the registration is now. I think it's called the, I think it's the Masters and the Youth World Cup. I don't exactly know the full name of it, but it's going to be an online competition for those groups to go to because uh, all those groups to participate in because of obviously the COVID situation and, you know, kind of every, everyone's physical competitions kind of being put on the back burner. We decided to do a, an online competition for those guys, um, you know, the older and the younger age groups. Yeah, yeah, especially, yeah, COVID's definitely thrown a bit of a spanner in the works there. So I'm pretty sure even like the AFFF, um, so the individuals and the teams are having a, the Continental Cup at the end of the year. Um, and mm. yeah, the Masters ones are currently in the works as well. Um, mm. Obviously, the first event that's been done similar to that has been the Rogue Invitational, really. I haven't heard of any other events, like that Zoom sort of style. I'm like, yeah. What was your thoughts on the Rogue Invitational and going like that style? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I thought it was really, I thought it was really good. I didn't expect it to be like that. I didn't really know. I was actually wondering how they were going, going to do it. I'm not very good with, uh, you know, computers and being a tech head or anything. So I don't know how, you know, they obviously it's good for some athletes. If you're a participant and, and bad for others, example, Cara having to do workouts at whatever, two, three, four AM. Yeah. Um, while everyone else is doing it in the middle of the day. Um, but yeah, I, I think the way it was presented was very good. Uh, having said that, I've, I've spoken to some of the athletes, I guess that participated, uh, and they, obviously there was a bit of a lag in some of the things. And even when I was watching, you know, you would see someone say Brooke Wells is doing dead ball over shoulder and you knew where she was up to, but the screen wasn't quite catching up to where somebody else was rep wise. Um, and it was really hard, I guess, for the athletes speaking to Shane and Tia when they had their own YouTube screen. Uh, stream set up so they could see where the other athletes were uh, in relation, I guess, to Tia. But obviously with that lag, it was still very much an individual competition in the sense of like doing it blindly without any 
other competition around, even though they were trying to pace off other people because of the lag, it, it was kind of really hard to do. But from a spectator point of view, I actually, you know, I don't sleep that much. So I, I watched a lot of the events and I, th I thought they did really well. And I can only see things like that, uh, I guess, getting better. You know, fingers crossed there's no other, you know, pandemics and, yeah. you know, catastrophes that prevent live competitions. But definitely it's something that can be worked on um, and improved and, and even just doing it just for the sake of doing it. Like if there is, you know, you could probably have a couple of mini CrossFit games style, style things throughout the year with top athletes for whatever reason, fundraisers and charity things you can, yeah. you can get, you know, top athletes together and do, and do things like that. And I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought it was pretty cool to watch and very well organized. I wouldn't have like from the athlete perspective, it seemed very open-esque as in they were doing the workout in their own gym. It mm. looked like it was hard to try and judge or pace off everyone else. So I thought that was a cool part to it because the athletes just had to do what they could do versus worrying about others. But at the same time, it was, yeah, it was, it was well done. And going forward, it could be something that actually happens as a regular thing. Fingers crossed that in-person events get to stay around though because um, they're mm. much cooler to watch. Yeah, yeah. I actually saw... Like, uh, I think Brooke Wells put up a photo of her doing like a, a stage in the event when she was doing the workout and it panned across the rest and there was like a general, a general class going on in the middle of the day around her little box that she had to work out in. There was, there was other people participating in, in, the, in the workout of the day at whatever gym she was doing it at. So it would have been <laughs> a bit weird doing that. Yeah, that'd be weird, especially you'd probably have to tell them to pretty much be quiet in the other side. Yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> That'd be interesting to do. Yeah. So our first few episodes, we actually discussed some of the AFFF and the Masters HQ online workouts. So the, sorry, the super online qualifier, the six tests there. Because um, yeah. when we started this podcast, initially it was talking all about the IF3 and the AFFF, Masters HQ, et cetera. And we were midway through going through those workouts at our gym because we have a significant amount mm -hmm. of Masters athletes who have signed up to that one. Um, and we were talking about those ones. So first of all, how did you find actually programming an online event for those six tests and having the structure of the six tests versus, I suppose, in a normal online qualifier style, you can pretty much throw a little bit more willy-nilly whatever you want, Adam, but having six structures there, how is that going online? Yeah, um, I think how we've done it, uh, particularly the Australian version, is 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 quite good where we do we do six tests spread over six weeks mm. except we we release two workouts at a time so you've got two workouts to do in two weeks mm. and depending on how i want to structure it sometimes it might be a, a workout a workout b that it's one immediately after the other or sometimes it might be an individual event by itself yeah um, but i actually find the way that we're where i think the i triple f are getting away from actually naming the events uh, what they are, we'll still categorize them under what their names are, but I think they're getting going to get rid of the actual names of the events because I think it might probably intimidate, not intimidate, but some people might not want to do it because it's not, you know, CrossFit um, or, or whatever. It's like, I don't, I don't want to do an endurance event because I'm not good at the endurance event. Yeah. But in terms of programming, well, I, th I think personally it's easier for me to program with those, those names of event, named events. And it just makes more sense because you get like a, a very broad, not a very broad, what a, like a general 
you get a good, I guess, grasp of who's good at what overall, I guess, you know, you don't, if you, if you do like the CrossFit open type style workouts, then, you know, pretty much you'll get people that will get to the end or get to regionals that are only really fit, but they're not very strong and maybe they're not very skilled, but they've got good work capacity. Whereas I guess by breaking up our tests into, you know, our, our strength, power, endurance, body weight, skill, body weight, endurance, uh, and mixed modal, you get a good broad, uh, very, like a good scoring kind of base. And I, I think the, the people that select at the end and, and qualify are, are more well-rounded than maybe other online competitions. Yeah. So. Yeah, I completely agree there. I personally, I've done all of them now besides the power one because obviously COVID happened and, you know, that mm. sort of put a bit of a block on. So the whole time has had to extend for that one. But I've done the first five and do plan on doing the power one. Um, I just... Is the power one, is that the one where we've got shuttle runs? Yeah, shuttle runs and thrusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one, even just demoing that one for some of the workout videos with Andy, that wasn't fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> it kept up, yeah. like, making me do way more than I wanted to. But, and, that's, and that's something that I wanted to do as well. Is like in all these online qualifiers, it's very rare that you can get any running yeah. in it. Like no one does any running. I remember maybe... 2013, maybe, I think in the judges course for the CrossFit, I think you had to do, you had to judge shuttle runs and, and see when someone's foot past the line and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's, that's good. There's going to be running in the open. There's never been running in the open. Like in, when was the first open? 2011. So there's nine years or so. Yeah. No running. Yeah. So um, I don't know how you can select a good athlete to go through any stage of a competition without having them run. Like it's a basic skill. So yeah. um, I think in our first year of the Masters HQ for our endurance test, I actually just programmed a beat test. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. And that was a, obviously that wasn't an online, it was the second stage. So I think we had our, our state finals and it's kind of, it's very good that it can be, um, you know, just everyone's the same under the same conditions, 20 meter track, yeah. the same recording, you know, beep, whatever, level one, one. Yeah. And I think it was pretty good to have a, you know, some people like, oh shit, like I don't want to run. Yeah, because I never, I never run in these competitions. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty good to have the beat test. So and something like that. Like I liked the look of the power test because it was five, ten, fifteen meter uh, like suicides, and mm. most people can get access to a fifteen meter length. You know, maybe mm. not in their gym, but you can take it into the car park. You can take it oh, into an yeah. oval. Like it's not hard to move a barbell from A mm. to B and then just set up fifteen meter length um, with mm. five meter blocks. You know. I think, if, yeah, it, we've never seen it in something like the Open probably because they tried to do it running alongside a million other things they need to pull up mm. bar, et cetera, and that would be a logistical nightmare. But something like this where it's like the beep test even, mm. everyone can do 20 meters. You know, it's yeah, yeah. hard to get. Um, yep. Yeah, so I personally really enjoyed all the events that I've done so far and I'm not looking forward to doing that power one. What was your thoughts going through your mind with the gymnastics skill? Because that's a different one in general, even like, Obviously, gymnastics skill for an online workout is completely different to what you could do gymnastics skill in person um, mm. and trying to make it also a bit more inclusive for everyone there. So what would yeah. your thoughts gone through your mind on that one? Well, I guess with, um, with, I guess with my background you know, and, and, and training over the years, I've been heavily into the weights. Mm. So gymnastics isn't my strong point to start with. So uh, I'll use some people at the gym, you know, at CrossFit Northwest that are, that are ex-gymnasts and things to help 
me come up with things and we'll practice things in the gym to see what we can actually do and get them to do online. But it's, yeah, it is pretty hard to do that aspect of it. And you're only kind of, you know, really all you can do is like, you know, you know, handstand walks and, you know, it, it's pretty actually hard to do handstand skill online. Um, you know, and, and it's, and you've got such a different variation of, uh, or not variation, but range of athlete. You know, I can't just program like, I know, L-sit rope climbs or something like that um, because not a lot of people won't do it. Um, and I remember like when we programmed the uh, the roll-up, uh, what's it called? The um, candlestick pistol. Yeah, the candlesticks. Like there was an outrage about, oh, this, I can't do this. I've never done this. This isn't CrossFit. I'm like, well, this isn't CrossFit because we're not testing CrossFit. Like... We're, test, te- we're testing skill, yeah. like, and everyone can, you know, you might not have the greatest technique, but everyone can pick up a barbell that's 30 or 40 kilos and do clean and jerks or whatever, and everyone can do a burpee, but that's not what we're testing. We're testing skill. So, you know, if you can't do it, then that's something, that's a weakness. So you've got to actually, you know, train to do it. I remember having this conversation with Mel and our original plan was to do, um, uh, even at the final, we were going to have, candlestick pist- uh, squ- uh, pistols for everybody, like regardless of their age. Cause I think, a, I think a candlestick pistol is easier than a normal pistol. Cause you get mm-hmm. your, you get the, obviously with masters a little bit different cause people have, you know, nagging knee and hip injuries and things like that. But after the out out about, you know, candlestick squats, I was like, Oh, well, there's no way we're going to have candlestick pistols for everyone at the finals. Yeah. So um, at least this way, if they know, oh, well, I have to work on candlestick squats, if they do show up at the finals, at least like if they can't do it, well, you know, at least we know who's worked on their weaknesses and, and who hasn't. Yeah, I completely agree there. Like I was wondering how the bodyweight skill test was going to pan out when I obviously saw that the online stuff was going to stick to those sort of six, six tests. Um, knowing when I went to the IF3 Worlds year before they had like um, the bar complex or it was the pullover, chest mm. bar, bar muscle up or whatever it was and the handstand pirouettes, I was thinking, how can that be applied to online? Because it has to be mm. easy to judge. Two, mm. it has to be somewhat inclusive so at least a mm. good bunch of people can do it. When I saw the candlesticks, I was like, sweet. It's simple. There'll be some people who can't do it, but... Mm it's still a very basic movement and mm. it was simple. It was easy to judge as to what you could do, you know, for someone watching it, it's not mm. that hard to watch. It's like hands behind the head, do a squat pretty much. Mm. Um, uh, and people are like messaging me going, Oh, you know, can you do this? And they're doing like a piss, like they're doing a candlestick squat, but with their feet crossed at the bottom. Yeah. Um, and I'm like coming, coming up cross-legged. I'm like, that's not a squat. I'm like, show me a five RM feet crossed squat and tell me how, how good you go. Like, um, you know, like uh, it's, it's simple, but obviously I do appreciate that it's hard for some people, but yeah, you know, you know, obviously if you've got different femur lengths and leg lengths and stuff like that, it's going to be tougher for some than others. But, you know, I'd say most people should be able to do it with a bit of practice, maybe not straight away, but you know, we'd, and that's the reason that we do these tests over two weeks. It's like, well, you know, you've got two weeks to do it. It's not, not like you've got three days like the open. And, uh, you know, I guess that's a different thing for us as well because we are testing different modalities and domains. We want it to be 
it's a test. It's not a workout. So, mm. you know, you don't go and complete a university degree and then, you know, the final test is just something that you've never done before. You know, it's, it's stuff that you've done. So that's why we give people an opportunity to practice um, and give them that time to, to try and, you know, get the skill and, and do it. And that's another thing that we've talked about with IF3 is, is um, you know, when we do have the finals and stuff like that is to release the workouts early, um, you know, six, eight weeks early. So people can actually practice stuff. Cause if, if they're, cause we are testing skill, if you turn up and there's something there that you've never done before, like this isn't the unknown and the unknowable where like we're testing, you know, skill, fitness and different disciplines. So we want you to actually have a chance to be able to complete it and then, and do it well if everyone gets the, the workouts at the same time six or eight weeks then no one's disadvantaged uh, or advantaged so you know it's a, a fair playing field so yeah i like having that structure and actually being able to see pretty much exactly what you're doing you, or at least have a good enough idea of this is what you're testing these are roughly the movements that you're going to be doing maybe the reps stay different but it's not like you're rocking up at an event and finding out just beforehand that you're about to do something crazy that you've never done mm. before. And then it's just sink or swim. So I think that's good. Um, out mm. of the six tests, what's your favorite event? Sorry, six tests for the super online qualifier. What was your favorite event? Um, I like um, from this year's one, it was, they're probably a, a tie between two and they're on very different uh, aspects, I guess, of the spectrum. So the endurance one, which was the burpees on the minute with the rowing. Yeah. Um, I, I like that one just because it was simple to do. Obviously, everyone can do it, but it's just it just sucks. Like it's just how hard you want to row, getting up and down off those burpees. Um, and then the one that we've just been talking about with the sprint, um, the sprint and the thrusters. Yeah. Um, you know that's my favorite. I, I, I do actually. I like, even though I I'm more of an endurance background, and I I'd rather run, you know, five or ten k's than do a a 400 meter flat out sprint for a one-off effort. Um, same thing on the airdyne. I'd rather do a, you know, a thousand calories for time than to do 30 calories in a sprint. Yeah. So um, I, I, I like programming the, the power workouts for all different levels of the competition, whether it's the online, the state or the national finals or, or whatever, just because they're the ones that you can really buckle people on. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Did you see last year's final in um, in Queensland for the Masters? I think it was. I think it was something like thirty cal airdyne, thirty thrusters, just one round. Yeah, and people had to sprint to the finish line. It was just like it was carnage. Like people couldn't run. Of you know, sliding along the floor, had jelly legs. Um, yeah, so I'd say you know the short, the the, the long ones and the short ones are probably my favourite to uh, to program for. Yeah, I like the short ones for the entertainment factor not necessarily to do yeah. they suck but for the entertainment factor to spectate they're great yep. the long endurance ones really shows i think the athletes who have it a little bit more up in the mind and who are a little mm -hmm. bit tougher like that burpee one there's everyone can burpee everyone can row but watching <laughs> like a bunch of our members do it it really mm -hmm. showed people who are actually willing to go that little bit deeper there as well mm -hmm. and it's yep. so basic which was good it was a really good test mm -hmm. for yeah and just going on what you said, it's it's exact it's, it's the same but different on on like that one that I was talking about with the the airdyne and the thrusters. Like I can't I can't remember how many people dropped the bar with like three thrusters to go. Like they do twenty seven in a row and then just drop it three. I'm like just hold on to it for three more. Yeah. And you know the difference was like first or second place to like 
seventh place in the heat just because you dropped it when other people didn't. Yeah. Um, so I think mental, mental toughness and, and I guess, you know, the will to win is evident in both those type of events, um, just, I guess, in different ways. Yeah, yeah. So this year coming up, there's still the events that are still coming up is the Masters Worlds Online. And then next year's the actual, sorry, the Masters and Youths Online. Um, yep. Next year, there's the Masters. I, I think that Masters Worlds is still happening, but at this stage anyway, the one that's in Portugal. Yep. Uh, no, off. It's off now? Yeah. Okay, yep. so now it's just the well, Masters and Youths. Yeah, so for the remainder of this year, we've got, um, I guess, in relation to the IFFF and the and the AFFF, we've got the final of the Aussie Throwdown, which is a final, which is a qualifier for the AFFF final. Yeah. So we've got our AFFF national final in uh, in Queensland at Fit of Futures. Yeah. And that I think I spoke to Mel this morning, and that's going to be towards the end of uh, September, beginning of October, just because of, you know, Melbourne's outbreak of, um, coronavirus just recently and their kind of ban on travel. Yep. So we kind of trying to string out an extra month. So that's going to be, uh, our last kind of wild, not wild card, but like last sanctioned event, I guess, for, uh, a qualification to the I triple F. So we've got, uh, I mean, to the, the, uh, the AFFF final, I should say, from the Aussie Throwdown. Now, from the AFFF final, that's also going to be in Queensland. And we've got, I think, maybe six places because uh, there's no AFFF, uh, there's no IFFF final this year physically um, because of the coronavirus. It was going to be in Canada. Um, that's been kind of put on the back burner. And now that's going to be an online qualifier. And I'm pretty sure, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure the top three Aussies, uh, male, female, and teams can go in that online qualifier. But from our AFFF, I think the top six will get a spot at our, at the IFFF world final next year for 2021. Yep. Uh, and that's the one that we're hosting in Logan in Queensland. Uh, so, yep. yep. So that's, I guess that's the rest of, our season at the moment and so we've got the masters so there's no the portugal masters IFFF event has been um cancelled and that's why we've got this world cup type of teams masters event to kind of give them something to train for and for our masters hq final uh that we're still running this year for for australia uh, the top three from the masters hq final will qualify for the Masters IFFF in 2021, if that makes sense. Yep, yep. Because so, that's going to be, you know, every year our Masters final and our AFFF final for Masters is around the uh, October period. But next year's Masters IFFF is uh, a bit earlier on in the year. So we're using the competitions towards the end of this year, 2020, to qualify people for 2021. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. So then, literally, everyone, regardless of age, still has something to actually train for. Something to train for. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all, it's all confusing. Like, you know, I think the CrossFit Games now uh, they're going to be on mid September. Yeah. I heard, and then because of that, they're pushing back the Open. So I've heard that the Open's now going to be back to where it used to be in February and March. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> 
that's what that's what they're talking about. So, yeah. you know, I think it only lasted one year having the Open in October or whatever it was, and now it's, the Open's going to be back February, March. I wonder if we're going to have and another guess, double Open. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I think because of the big shitstorm that CrossFit is yeah. uh, at the moment, that they'll probably, and no one wants to have sanctional events anymore. Yeah. It's probably going to go back to what it was for the last five years and just go back to the open and then regionals and then the games. Uh, I, that's how I see their season going. So that yeah. could be interesting though, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for not another double open. I hated that. <laughs> that was horrible that year. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So from a coaching point of view here, would you go about coaching an individual differently for something like the AFFF or IR3 versus let's say the CrossFit games, knowing that you've got um, six tests, with a little bit of structure. Yeah, a hundred percent. I would, if, if someone was going to go down, you know, the, the A triple F, I triple F sporting type, uh, type of, uh, Avenue, I guess you, you definitely would have to program and coach them differently. Mm. The, the reason is that I guess with say the traditional CrossFit season being, you know, any, pretty much anyone can do the open as long as you're reasonably skilled, you're fit and you're strong. Um, You'll go, you'll go places. Um, you'll even probably go really well at regionals. There might only be one or two workouts that you might not go in, not go well in. But if you're really fit and really strong, you'll still go well. Mm. And then the games is just like, well, that's un, un, nearly as unstructured as anything I've seen. Like it's all just for um, entertainment value. So really for the CrossFit side of things, you can be fit and reasonably strong and reasonably skilled and kind of do pretty well. Mm. Uh, providing you can outwork, I guess, or mentally out push to places that other people can't. It's really a lot of work capacity. But with our our version of functional fitness, like if you can't do something, then like that, you know, there's definitely definitely holes that you need to to patch, and it's easy easier to train for in a way that your weaknesses and strengths are very evident based on you know the classifications of our events. And I've already had a few people, you know, over here in Australia that want to, you know, maybe not go down that route, but they're training for that competition coming up. You know, it's like, oh, I'm training, you know, for the AFFF final. I'm, I need to work on my gymnastics because there's two gymnastics events there. There's the gymnastics skill and there's the gymnastics endurance. So, you know, you definitely need to bias those type of things uh, into the programming if, if um, you know, if they're, not up to speed, I guess. So yeah, definitely. And, and, and it is, you know, I think it does make things easier to program for because you're not programming for random events and you're not trying to pick or, or guess and trying to be a mind reader to see what is going to come up and what the, what the trends are. Like there's definite things that, you know, energy systems that you can train and skills that you can train and movements that you'll know that will be there. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, definitely in the future as well as our version of the sport, you know, takes a bigger footprint and a bigger hole. There'll be, you know, more coaches programming for these events and um, more athletes, you know, picking up, you know, the skills that they need to do. Like you never, uh, uh, before say the world's way that you brought up where there was, you know, handstand with, I think they might've had like a little yoga ball or something between your feet, didn't you? And yeah, the block, the and pirouette, like, no one's going to do that in CrossFit because they're just going to be doing like 21, 15, nine handstand walk between. Not a skill skill. 
Um, they're not making, they're not testing it as a skill. They're testing it as a bit of a filler, as a transition between things. So I think that's kind of another thing where our sport will differ is that you know, we, we actually want to see skills. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree there. Like with that yoga block last year, a lot mm. of people could handstand pirouette. They couldn't hold just a yoga block between their legs, like something mm. also. It's like they could do everything else, no worries. Just holding that little block was what stuffed them up or screwed them over there. Um, mm. And I reckon the skill aspect there, when ridden well into a workout, a lot of people see that and think, oh, it's just a skill. You know, I don't need to be able to do that. I need to be able to move as fast as possible. Mm. You do that skill well, that workout is actually still very, very tiring. Like watching mm. last year, people do the complex, the Turkish get up, the handstand pirouette. The people who were winning those events were still really buggered by the end of it. It wasn't like mm. they were just cruising through just because they could do the skill well. It was still a very you know, well-programmed event in that way versus a lot of people see skill and think that it's just some stupid complex, like backwards roll to supports a million times on the rings, you know, like almost like grid-esque, how grid you yeah, yeah. where it was um, like that. So I think it'll be cool to see where that goes as well. Yeah, and I think it's just like, you know, the, the athletes, you know, probably traditionally and probably coming from my own mental, um, you know, the way I would look at training and stuff is they, they should probably be practicing like these skills and when they're practicing these skills obviously their heart rate is going to be what between you know 70 and maybe 120 and they're going to actually actually have actually take rests and have time and practice and do some extra mobility or stability work or or whatever in their training session so an hour of you know just looking from an energy expenditure an hour of skill training they might only burn 200 calories yeah and they might think that is a waste of their hour because they haven't done four different 10 minute Metcons and, you know, sweated profusely and done sweat angels on the ground and burnt, you know, seven or 800 calories. It's like, Oh, well, you know, in my hour of training that I've got, uh, I'm going to get more bang for my buck doing all this fitness and stuff than I am doing 60 minutes of this skill, which, you know, the 60 minutes of the skill is going to be better for them long-term. It's yeah. just whether they can, deal with that mentally in their, you know, in their structure of their training. Yeah. Do you yeah. think the sport of functional fitness in the IF3 realm is much better for the longevity of an athlete versus something like, let's say CrossFit because of the sporadic and the chaos of CrossFit and, but the more so the structure with IF3, do you reckon that'll be better for the longevity of it? Um, I would, I would hope so just because of the variation, I guess, in in i guess in our tests and and the classification of our workouts but at the end of the day any sport at a high level is going to be detrimental you know that anything where you're competing for something is at the opposite end of like health and longevity i guess as a lifestyle so you know i guess potentially yes it can but when you've still got just because we name our events and they're they're classified it that's that's our tests but and I guess what I kind of contradicting myself, I guess, depending on the athlete's strengths and weaknesses, they're still going to train really hard if they want to be good at it. Like if you know that you've got to train for an endurance event, which is say 10 to 20 minutes long, and you know you've got to train, train on the other end of something that's going to be you know, 30 seconds to two minutes long, and then you've got all this stuff kind of in between, then you know, there still is a potential for people to, you know, overtrain and get injured and burn themselves out and go into a 
you know, dig themselves into a hole. And I guess that's where, you know, the experience of a, you know, a good coach and everyone can help structure someone's training program to make sure that doesn't happen. But the way that I would see it, rather than the training and the classifications of digging the hole, I guess maybe the way that we've structured our season and the qualification process and being a little bit more limited in how you can progress to the next level, that may be better for an athlete's, uh, you know, um, you know, well-being and lifestyle and, and things like that. You know, when you know that you're only going to have to kind of reach a peak or a mini peak, say once every quarter of the year, once every 12 weeks or so, it's very different to doing, you know, 400 online sanctional qualifiers and then picking out of those 400 online sanctional qualifiers you've done, which four sanctionals that you're going to go to and then also do the CrossFit Open and then also, you know, potentially whatever, go to the games. Like instead of doing peaking four times a year, you're trying to stay at a peak for 12 months. Mm. Like it's very different in that way in terms of our, um, you know, the way our season is structured versus just trying to be at your peak, you know, every second week doing a test. Um, So I I remember that, like, I think it was just after the open last year. It was around like between November, probably mid-October to mid-November. There was so many online qualifiers. There was the Asian CrossFit Championships. There was the Egypt Egypt thing. There was, I think, maybe Torian or Rogue. There was Rogue. Invitations, online qualifiers. And now I had athletes that were doing all these qualifiers all at once. Like every, every weekend they were doing like three different qualifying workouts. It was ridiculous. Um, you know, and that's, that's the, that's the stuff that ruins athletes. It's not actually the training. It's all the competition. So, yeah. yeah. They're just constantly trying to test or constantly always up here. And it's like, even with that, if you're trying to do three qualifiers in a weekend, you're ruined for the rest of the week. You know, the rest of your week's training is like maintenance to try and get you back to be able to test again the following week, especially considering our yeah. old generally weekly. Mm. Well, then, like when I was talking to Jess today and we found out like that the Open most likely is going to be in, um, you know, February, March. She was like, oh, good. She goes, I don't have to be fit for like another six months. So yeah. <laughs> like, like versus like the last year, all that she's done is online workouts. Like, yeah. you know. Heaps and heaps and heaps. So, yeah, you know, I think that is, you know, the way that we structured our season is very beneficial for the athlete, you know, to actually have a structured off season and a plan to, to, to peak and know when those competitions are. Mm. Do you yeah. reckon that people who do well in or do regularly well in CrossFit competitions could walk into the IF3 and do quite well? Let's say even like top um, of the games athletes, do you reckon they could walk? I think the top guys will. Yep. Um, you know, and then you've got the, I don't know, I, I remember... Uh, Brent called them once uh, mediocre elite. So it's the um, the people that are like pretty good and they go to regionals or whatever, but they're the back end of you know they they don't really bother the guys at the top. Yeah, you know, I think the guys at the top that we all know all the all the top names. I think they're going to do well regardless. Um, yeah. you know, I can't see Matt Fraser not doing well in anything. You know, he's the He's the guy that, you know, one year wins the sprint and then also wins the 7K run um, or whatever. You know, like people like that, yeah, like they're going to step into our version of the sport and 
and crush it. They're just amazing athletes. Yeah. But some of the other people, like I was saying before, that you can just be reasonably strong and, and pretty fit and get, get decent places in CrossFit. I think they will struggle in, in a lot of the events of the, of the other, uh, of the, our version of functional fitness of the IFFF, if they don't, you know, practice some of those things that they should be practicing rather than just, you know, doing one RM snatches three times a week or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think the top guys, yeah. But then those guys that are kind of like hovering around and, and kind of in the little bubble, like they're probably not going to be as, as good as some people that maybe won't go as far in CrossFit, but they're more well-rounded, I guess, as an athlete. Yeah. 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 I definitely saw that last year with um, the IF3 in Sweden there, how like Khan plays second behind Zach Sauter, I think it was. I think that's his name yep. anyway. And overall, look at Khan's places. They were significantly better than Sauter's, not taken away from Sauter at all there. But there was that one, the skill test of the handstand pirouette and whatnot, where there was just a massive bunch up because mm. it was like you had to complete a full length, which was seven and a half meters or something. But you had to do a pirouette on the two and a half or something along those lines. And it was just mm. a massive bunch up of athletes that if like Khan had got that, it probably would have meant he would have won. But mm. he walked in. I mean, he maybe his training slightly different to a lot of other games level athletes and he did quite well. Obviously he won mm. the mixed modal because that's a bit more of his specialty. Um, but as a whole, he did quite well. It was just that hole mm. in the skill in a way. Um, and there was a lot of other athletes who were significantly, let's say, worse in the CrossFit realm. They mm. may have absolutely smoked everyone in just that one effort of the skill, but then mm. all the other events across, they were way down. So it's definitely yeah. a thing of the top-level CrossFit Games athletes will probably walk in and still do well. Do well. Well, yeah, it's, it's all, you know, apart from like some of our specific skills, it's all, you know, whether you're doing a box jump or a thruster or whatever, it's, you know, just cause you're doing it, it's, it's not one way is CrossFit and the other ways, you know, like triple F it's, it's everything's, you know, it, it all blends, it all blends and crosses over. It's just like, I guess this, the subtleties of some of the programming and some of the workouts, like you said, can make a big difference at the end of the day. You know, when you're saying with Khan, you know, just a slip up, I guess in, in one workout, then, you know, maybe cost him a place. Mm. Uh, between first and second, then, and that's the difference at the end of the day. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the things will cross over, but you know, it's it's kind of like you're only as strong as your weakest link type situation. Um, and when we only do have six tests to score, if one of those tests, you know, you're not going to be great at, that's like whatever. Like, what is that? Like seventeen or eighteen percent of your score that you're going to get is going to be hampered. Whereas if you're doing say whatever the CrossFit games and you've got 14 or 17 events and you slip up in one, it's probably not going to be that bit of a deep, big deal um, versus, you know, you know, doing one out of six is a, is a bad score. Then that's going to hurt you a bit more. Yeah, definitely. So with the vision of the IF3 wanting to make um, the Olympics in 2028, What's your thoughts on that? Do you think that's great for the athlete and even for the coaches having now the sport of functional fitness wanting to get into something like the Olympics where it's a significantly bigger platform for your realm? Yeah, I think, well, I think it's great. Um, you know, I think it's great if, if it can get into the Olympics. Uh, I think what they, you know, I'm, I'm not on 
that type. I'm, I'm not uh, involved in the administration side of trying to get it to the Olympics, but I think one of the things they may struggle with um, and depends how they word it and everything is, is, you know, you, you've got the Olympics and you've got like the heptathlon mm. and you know that the heptathlon is the same events every year, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, you know, our version, we've got our six categorizations, I guess, of tests, but they're going to be different tests all the time. Yeah. Um, which I guess makes it interesting, but maybe when you're trying to get into an organization like, you know, the Olympic committee, when everything is so traditional and structured and, and things like that, maybe, maybe that's where they might have a, a bit of a drama getting in. Um, but I think it's only like everyone wants to represent, I guess, you know, their country um, at the highest level they can. And I guess like, you know, you see, I'd love to go like, you know, I wish I was more talented. I'd love to go to whatever, to the Olympics for something. Like it would be, it would be great. Um, and, you know, you see a lot of the athletes, I guess these days will only do things for money, um, which in the Olympic type, type of stream, you, it's supposed to be amateur and you can't really get paid. But, you know, you still see all the top NBA players and, and all that going to represent, you know, the American, uh, the USA basketball team. You know, they don't get, I'm assuming they don't get paid to compete in the Olympics, but you know, they get millions of dollars anyway. Yeah. So it's probably, probably no drama for them, but I guess, you know, they, they will hold an Olympic gold medal and competing for their country in a pretty high caliber yeah. uh, or, you know, in terms of like, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know, like a, a pretty special thing to do. So I think it would be the same thing for, um, you know, our athletes in functional fitness to try and strive to get to the Olympics and also just to be there, you know, I've, for the last few years, I think that, you know, our functional fitness sport, it's, it's like a fake sport, I guess. It's not like a real sport. You're just doing all these strength and conditioning movements that are, are there to help people that do legitimate sports like whatever, taekwondo or, you know, track and field and stuff like that. It's kind of weird that other training, other, other sports use, you know, our strength and conditioning. You like use strength and conditioning to help their sport, but our strength and conditioning is our sport. So um, I think it would be really good to, you know, for instance, you know, if you're one of these athletes that can go to the Olympics and represent, you know, Australia or Canada or USA, whatever, for your Olympic team to be there again, you know, standing there, you know, with, you know, the Usain Bolts and, you know, all those people that, you know, do, do those like track and field and stuff like that would be, you know, really good. Like I love sitting down and vegging out and watching the Olympics for four hours of the night and or whatever sport is on there. I don't care what it is. Uh, you know, I'm going to sit there and watch it. So I think it'd be a pretty big honor, you know, one, if you can get functional fitness into the Olympics and then two for those people that actually can qualify and, and get there. Yeah. Being able to represent your country at that sort of level would be awesome. Yeah. And, you know, you and I as fans of sport, like watching the Olympics, it's, you know, that everyone there is pretty much freak athletes. You know, they're amazing, yeah. you know, to get to that sort of level, they're, very damn good at what they do so there's a lot of respect there as well so being able to be viewed on that sort of platform as an athlete regardless of money is a big um there's a big prestige around that getting there and qualifying and you know going through that so i think it'll be cool to legitimize the sport of you know of functional fitness or you know of what we do like you said with the strength conditioning and mm. actually getting it there so people respect it a lot more and you know the athletes are also showing that they are damn good at what they do so mm. Yeah, and it also brings, I guess, a little bit of a team environment or a team, a team touch to to competing. You know, like you're going there and you're representing your country and trying to get medal 
tallies and medal counts for your country versus like, you know, no one really, no one really cares, say at, you know, how we said at the moment with the CrossFit games, like, you know, where people actually come from and where they place, like you couldn't give a crap what country is first, second or third really, but at the Olympics, they don't really concentrate on the individual's name that comes first, second or third, although you know it, it's like, oh, Australia gets a gold and, you know, Australia gets a bronze or, or whatever. It's, it's more like you're doing it for your country versus doing it for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree there. All right, cool. So just before we finish here, I've got three questions which we ask all of our guests. Now, these are a little bit more like personal and direct towards you here. Then you can go as in-depth as you want on these ones. Mm. So question number one, it's you get to relive a moment in your life. Which moment would you choose and would you change anything about it? Um, so there's two moments that are the same moment if that makes sense so i'll go back to um you know because we're talking about you know health fitness and you know functional fitness i'll go back to 2011 when uh i was really good at crossfit and i was only really good at crossfit because nobody else did crossfit back then so um in the in the open i actually went really really well and as i said it was all about fitness and strength capacity and all that type of stuff and back then I made the decision after the open, it was going to be our first uh, kind of regional things. Um, I was first proper regional. I think before that they had sanctionals and uh, maybe sectionals. They had a sectional and stuff, but it was the first regional. And uh, I decided to go team with my affiliate. And um, I probably should have gone individual um, yep. back then. Like I had, a, I had a weakness of, and I still do, of handstand pushups. And I was like, I was going back to that thing is like, if I screw up one event, then I'm not going um, to the CrossFit games. I'm like, if handstand pushups come up in any of these workouts, I'm screwed and I'm going to come last. And they did come up, but I still think I would have done good enough in retrospect to, to probably go better than I had thought. Yep. And uh, the same moment is um, with my partner, Jess, she, I made her go teams with me. Um, even though she'd done CrossFit for about three weeks and I think she finished the open in fourth or something uh, out of the girls. She'd only like very fresh off the boat in, in terms of like CrossFit scene. And I said, let's go teams. There's only, you know, there's teams, uh, was it four or six? There's teams of six, I think. If me and you are in the team, we'll do, you know, every single event and we'll, you know, the other two numpties can sit out or whatever and we'll just like crush it and uh, we'll go to the games then. And then um, I think they changed, not changed the rule, but they brought out the rule only about a week before the competition that you're only, this teams had to be split up in a way that you could only do one event per day. So, oh, okay. so I, you know, so Jess and I pretty much, we only did three workouts the whole weekend yeah. and out of the six. And I think our team ended up coming maybe sixth or seventh. But anyway, that year we didn't qualify for the games. And like in retrospect, I probably, well, not, not really for me, more for her. If I had said to her, I think Amanda Allen that year, it was her first year of CrossFit as well. I think Amanda Allen maybe came, I think the girls that qualified were maybe Megan Smith, Danae Brown and Amanda Allen. And then I think Amanda Allen made the games maybe the next, I don't know, three, four years in a row. And I think had Jess have um, made the games initially that first year and given her that experience and that step forward, then she probably would have been at the games every year since. Um, I guess so that's probably one moment that I guess I, I made a, a poor decision and maybe maybe would have changed it so yeah okay 
you're the first person who's actually said that they would adjust something from um uh from that the moment they would relive so Oh, yep. Yeah. yeah, right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, James, I was going to say, James just wanted to re-experience the birth of his two children. So, Oh, yeah. You know, well, I don't have that. So I don't have any <laughs> kids. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Question number two. So yourself from 10 years in the future knocks on your front door. What mm. advice do they give you? Um, well, I would have said... Uh, completely unrelated to this is if I could um, not have uh, not have trusted a financial advisor a long time ago and <laughs> and had a managed fund and then have a global uh, what is it the financial crisis of 2008 yeah. but um, that kind of stuffed me up a little bit yeah. but uh, something totally different um, would be I guess looking at myself 10 years from now would be something like um, I don't know you always hear it on things like Keep your uh, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I guess you know the hindsight. I guess of um, you know trying to be trying to be. I guess well, I think what I've learned over you know being my last forty years is that no matter how nice you are, you know to to people, I guess there's always someone there that's gonna try and take advantage of you. I guess mm. and what I would say, you know, I guess in my experience is that. You know, I guess try to try to be nice to everyone. So then there's, I guess, no real excuse for someone to come back at you for whatever whatever reason. Like I, I just think that you know, there's too many people have um, maybe call them frenemies. I guess um, you know, whatever reason they've got their own agendas to be you know nasty people or take something that's not theirs or or whatever. And I just think that you know, if if I was to look back, you know, in myself in 10 years, it just probably just be nicer, you know, nicer to everyone. I think, yep. you know, in the, in the past, I think, oh, well, going back way, I was a little bit outspoken and stuff on Facebook, going like these rants and, and things like that. And I was thinking, you know, I think maybe it's just part of growing a bit more mature and stuff. I was like, you know what, you know, it's probably just, it's just way easier to be nicer to everybody, I guess. Um, you know, so I, I think that's probably something that I would, um, you know, suggest is just like, you know, Treat everyone, treat everyone a bit nice. <laughs> yeah, interesting. That's a good one. I like that. Mm. So, last question here: What's your game plan moving forward for the rest of the year? Um, game plan moving forward for the next year. Well, that's pretty easy um, at the moment, given the current COVID thing. Um, you know, being in lockdown, you know, for the last three months and things like that. I guess. You know, at the start of lockdown, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty. It was like a bit of a holiday. It was like, okay, well, you know, you can't really do anything. Um, but then, as it went longer and longer and longer, and it was like, oh, the gyms are getting more and more and more stuffed. Uh, it was like, okay, the the lockdown isn't that fun anymore. Um, <laughs> got to try and get some people back in the gym to, well, you know, earn some money and pay some rent. Yeah. So I guess I guess my focus, I guess, for the re the rest of the year is. Um, well, one is trying to get um, you know people back into the gyms and stuff, which is happening because people are, are sick of being locked down themselves. I've, I've I've found that a lot of people are very keen to get back into the gyms um, and and get fit and healthy. And I think maybe the lockdown period has has made people realise that it's probably no fun being stuck by yourself so much. Um, and it's good to go out and get fit and healthy. So part of that is you know trying to get people back into the gyms. But what where what I'm also trying to do is also make training. Um, a little bit more fun 
I guess because you know we talked about um, a while ago that you know there's not a, a, a fair few competitions have been cancelled and there's not a whole lot going on and we're kind of creating competitions for things for people to do as as almost like space fillers. Mm. Um, you know our next big competition for the IFFF and the AFFF, I guess physical one will be you know as a as a whole will be next year in 2021 because this year is only online. So what I'm really trying to do for the rest of the year is trying to get you know, my athletes to enjoy training again, rather than actually, you know, you know, you get those people that finished, you know, the open in, you know, 2017 and their next hashtag on Instagram is like road to regionals 2018. It's like, they've got 12 months to train for. I was like, I want, you know, I want my clients, you know, both at the gym and online to try and get the love for training back and not really put so much pressure on themselves. And I'd like to see them, um, you know, do things that they like do things that they enjoy and not have such an athlete minded focus on their training, obviously have that in the back of back of their mind, but you know, do stuff that they want to do and enjoy and, and not think that if they have a day off from doing, you know, you know, deadlifts, good mornings and, you know, toaster bar, that if they want to go ride their mountain bike or something, that it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, I just rather, I'd, I'd rather people kind of, you know, get the love for training and physical activity back into them rather than just being focused on, on competitions. I guess that's you know, what I'd like to see for the rest of the year. And that's what I'll be focusing on. That's awesome. I've definitely also noticed that a significant amount of people in general with throughout COVID, everything that's happened in the functional fitness world and competitions being closed and just being locked at home for most people. There's been a lot of people who really lose sight of why they actually do fitness you know, mm. even the people who had no, did not give a shit about competitions, as soon as COVID happened, now the gyms are reopened. They're either itching to come back or they're like, oh, no, nah, I don't really want to go to the gym anymore. You know, they completely mm. lost sight of why they did it initially. Um, mm. And they were just too comfortable sitting on their asses throughout all of COVID. So they just sort of stay with that now. So I like that getting back into why, well, what you actually want to do versus what you actually may feel like you yeah. need to do. So. Yeah, I think the COVID period was really good for for some people and some families and stuff. Like I've never seen so many people, you know, probably breaking all types of social distancing or whatever. But like going to the dog park and or walking their dog up and down the street and and kids. Like when I was a kid, we didn't have like Xboxes and Playstations and iPads. Like I would be getting into trouble for coming home so late. And, you know, being, being dark, I'd get in trouble. Why are you always the dirtiest kid? Yeah. you know, coming home, like playing down the creek, doing rope swings. That's what, at least where I live, that's what all, everyone's doing. Like these days it's like, yeah. well, they're not, you know, they're not out doing this and not out doing that, but they're actually like doing stuff outdoors. Uh, one of the guys that I, I coach, his, he was a little bit stressed during COVID, but only because he'd done so much so well in his business that now he'd run out of stock. So, you know, he's a push bike dis- distributor yeah. and he sold all like everything that he owned, like all the push bikes. And then he's like, well, it's really great. I've done like half a year's worth of sales in like two months. And then now he's got no stock to sell. So he's like, I got to get stock in to sell because, you know, people are actually outside riding bikes and (laughs) running and doing stuff. So I think in, you know, in, in some things like COVID was actually good for some people, um, you know, to actually go, Oh, now I've got to get outdoors and do something with myself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's been a bit of a blessing in disguise for some. Mm. Awesome. Thanks heaps for jumping on, mate. And thanks heaps for sharing your opinion around all of that. No worries. 
All right, guys, that was our episode with Bobby D here. So that was an awesome episode talking about AFFF, talking about IF3, his perspective on the events that you guys mostly have tested there. Now, we got a lot out of that podcast. If you guys got a lot out of that one too, please take a screenshot of your listening to that one, chuck that on your social media, chuck that on your Facebook, on your Instagram stories, and give us a nice little review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you do listen, because all of this stuff helps us grow massively. And we really want to be able to share as much health and fitness information to as many people as we possibly can. Thanks heaps for listening. We hope you guys got as much out of that one as what we did. See you later, guys.